can't see them, but there's jazz hands. Good morning, everybody. Hey, everybody. Glad you hey. get in my house. Oh, welcome, welcome. I gave them keys. You rat motherfucker. Well, I thought you'd like some company. You no. Look so, you look Get lonely. out of my house, everybody. This is oh. my place. Okay. Every, my guys, safe place. There's a waffle place around the corner. You, We can go. There is. We'll oh, You're man. not invited, mister. Get out of Okay, no, you can come with. I mean, it's a public restaurant. I could go there and sit at my own table. But that's just, just 20 feet away. <laughs> Social distancing and all that. Good, good, good. How's I everyone? Love it. Hey, hey, everybody. Come inside. Get yourself cozy by the fire. How's it going, everybody? It's going great. I'm super. Wow, am I allowed just, in as well, just, or is it just, just left me? You just left me out to dry on that one. Well, I figure in post you could just cut it. Well, I'm not gonna. You're just gonna leave it there. I'm just gonna let that silence linger <laughs> for this great bit that followed it. Yeah, I felt <laughs> I felt attacked by silence. I'm so sorry that no, I've done this fine. to you. It's quite all right. I'm so, a malicious and vicious person. Uh, so hey. Josh, so Josh, yeah. so Josh, this is um, this is part of our uh reassessment phase for lore dump mm, i love we're, it we're in a bit of a transition period we're trying an to, iterative trying to, process yeah we're trying to figure things out see how see how the show's going do a little quick pulse check on the show uh-huh last time we did a little a little review of the uas which i had good fun with that was a blast that was so much fun that's actually really fun but today what are we gonna do today, Josh? You had a good uh, idea. So, so this, this, we're doing something near and dear to my heart. I think this week, this, this is my pitch to you. Uh, you know, all master of the Lord of Universe, Mister Sean. Uh, Jesus Christ, that's not what this is. But go ahead. I know, I know, I know. It's not <laughs> Grim Hollow just released and launched a new Kickstarter, and of course they've blowing it out of the water like it's completely funded and then some with mm. all the stretch glow goals pretty much cleared um but they just released their monster grimoire and anyone who watches any of the shows that sean or i do know i love grim hollow which is a uh setting a dnd 5e setting created by ghostfire games um and they're a pretty recently but like prolific uh, publication company for D&D content, supplemental content. They They're pretty, really, they, really, really good. They got They're an ad space on uh, Critical Role. They got some money. That, ooh, that, you know you've made it when you're on Critical Role. That's, I mean, I, you joke, but yes. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the benchmark for everything. I should not drink mm -hmm. and talk at the same time. Uh, so this monster grimoire came out, but that got me like thinking about, A, like, what are the materials that you get with a lot of these source books? I like incorporating 800 different source books and using them for inspiration and putting little bits into my games. But I know I've, I, I'm curious about your perspective on that and how you handle that and if you do that. I don't like to read. <laughs> do you like pictures, though? I do enjoy a good pick. Love a good picture book. If they Here's had a source book that was just picture books, I like one of those like coffee table books that was just inspiration pictures. I'd probably buy that. Honestly, though, that's not a bad idea. Just like the D and D inspiration guide. It's yeah. just a, a cool book of art that you put on your table. That'd be pretty cool. They exist anyway, but you just brand them specifically for dungeon masters to get inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. I'd buy it. I, uh, I very much enjoy the books for that. So mm -hmm. like, even if, like, I've put Grim Hollow stuff in several of my campaigns and sessions and stuff like that. 
Um, Sean's experiencing some of it now. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, surprise. Ah, uh, but it's very much, um, a lot of the time it's take what you want and leave the rest. And I think a lot of people forget that. Like, they're very much like, I have to do, it's the same with, when we talked about even the Wizards publications, they're like, I have to do this to the T. And I'm like, that's a cool idea. It's I'll just like, take it. Yeah, it's just like consuming from media and movies. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. very, it's very, I don't know. It's just a good, another good form of inspiration. It really is. Interesting. And even the, like, books with all that text in it, they've got a lot of pictures, too. A lot of time you can just ignore there's, the texty bits. There's, there's pictures, pictures in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's lots of art. Fascinating. I know. I'm so I'm so happy to be opening this new and amazing, never before seen experience for you, Sean. Josh, tell me more about these books. <laughs> so, so I have the Grim Hollow, uh, the core book. Uh, I can see is, it. Can confirm. It, it's very one. pretty. Uh, I like I like pretty books. A so if a book's pretty, got a cool cover on it, I'm a sucker for it. Um, but Grim Hollow also meets all of my grimdark fantasies and needs. Uh, it's mm. got a lot of like subtle mechanical changes that make things a little more Van Hel- Helsing in D and D, a little more Dracula Monster Hunter. vampire hunter. Yeah, very not Monster Hunter, but like Hunter of Monsters. Yeah, like not the giant dinosaur game. The classic hunter of monsters. I know yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, that's valid. Um, and then there's a lot of like the big thing that they throw in, along with a lot of word struck world structure in the campaign book. They add some feats. They add some really cool weapon types um, that I adore, um, like uh, spread weapons, which essentially are like kind of musket shot, like ra- short oh, range, yeah. wide range weaponry, which I've taken and I tailored into completely different because there isn't. In my campaign setting that Sean plays in, there isn't um, black powder technology is not particularly advanced. They've gotten to like the state of cannons. They haven't really gotten to handheld black powder yet. Um, mm. But Bullshit. Sean's found a weapon. <laughs> that I have a gun. Fires lightning, but I've used that scatter uh, element as a part of that stat block for that weapon that I crafted using those statistics. They're already balanced and managed by Grimhawk. You don't even have to think about it. You just add it onto a weapon and it's balanced. Yeah, I'm like, boop. As long as the mechanics work with the rest of the game, you're golden. Hell yeah. Okay. So give me a little tour. Give me a little tour of Grim Hollow. What's, what's, the, what's the main beef on this meaty sandwich? I mean, the main beef, like, are you talking mechanically or are you talking lore-wise? What's your... Mechanics. Mechanics is definitely the transformation stuff. So they basically have a series of they're kind of like classes. They're progression systems that yeah. you apply to a character outside of the class. Um, okay. So through role play, an instance could happen where the player catches lycanthropy. Um, and they have progressive levels in lycanthropy for you. And those levels give both benefits and detriments uh, the further you progress down that path. They have an aberration, they have a vampire, they have these monsters so that the players can contract these monsters. And rather than the dungeon master having to spend a lot of time balancing their own version of that, mm-hmm. or pouring through the books and looking at the like lycanthrope monsters in D&D 5e, or doing the like very basic curse stuff, yeah. there is like a progression system that is weighted and balanced to provide both 
um, benefit and negative and an attempt to kind of because some of these are very powerful so they need some pretty serious negatives to counteract them especially at higher levels Ooh, are there are there any that are like negatively worse than positive i think the aber you look at each of them each of them is unique some of them are a little overpowered in certain spots and you have to kind of consider that yeah um i think you look at the aberration uh, and it's really flavorful, but a lot of the like dice additions and things like that, I don't see synergizing well with a lot of classes. Um, gotcha. So it's like this whole other system where you turn into another thing to fight a thing, and then you're like, I'm not using my class, which is where a lot of progression and power is necessarily. There are still yeah. things that do synergize. It's just, it really, it's very dependent on the class because every single one's really unique. One of my favorite ones, and here's a. Sorry, I'm. This is all just me talking. No, go. What are for your it. thoughts on that, Sean? I mean, I get what you mean because having a, a sorcerer be a werewolf, <laughs> yeah, it would kind of not be as worthwhile as like a barbarian werewolf. Exactly. I get the sense. Um, yeah. I do. I do. I do like that. I do having like uh, prestige classes almost, or like add-ons that you level up at the same time as your main main tree i do like that because 5e's uh tree leveling system is very fixed once you decide at level three okay i'm gonna be this subclass you don't get a lot of other choices besides the spells you take and the feats you take if you take feats um so i think having like an, an additional side class on the side of your main characters class would be really cool and useful and them having detriments to balance out the, the actual positives sounds really interesting and and it's not like multi-classing because this is a layer on top of your leveling so yeah. you don't have to dip out of your class to get this which i also really appreciate like mm -hmm. i think it's a good addition for like slightly more seasoned or experienced people who have had a lot of the game already you know they've consumed it and they're looking for something right. fresh this is a really good addition to it i would and love I to see oh Go. I would love to see a because I know this is a grim hollow grim dark everything's you know monsters and nightmares I would love to see in the book a book that's just side classes you could take like additional like wizard and um, different bard side classes you could take I think that'd be yeah. really cool yeah like a like a stacking system that is like the arc mage and so you yeah. get your wizard with your subclass but then there is this prestige archmage class that opens at 14 yeah. that you could like do, right? That or like a neat. tinker mage. Yeah. We have like a little side history and artificing or stuff like that. Yeah, that's so good. That's cool. And you could do that with transformations too. I mean, you could you even could. Do, you could do it on racials, right? Like yeah. at level 10, you could unlock a heritage, which is a Pathfinder terminology. But you can we're talking about playing Pathfinder is more fun. It, what we're talking, <laughs> <laughs> we need to of... just do a Pathfinder episode at some point next week. It's coming. Next week, that's Pathfinder it. Pathfinder yeah. two. Ooh, so good, but like, uh, like heritages, right? Like you select, you know, your Ganassi, and you select at your uh, earlier. You select your uh, elemental type, but yeah. at level ten, maybe you select like uh, elements related to. Are you a Ganassi that's directly related to a djinn or a, mm -hmm. you know, a different one of the genies? Or is it an elemental explosion that crafted, right? Like different types of source. And as you unlock that heritage, 
you mm-hmm. learn different skills or different racial features based on that as well. It, yeah, that literally is just Pathfinder. It is Pathfinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's the the main difference between the two games. We'll talk about this next week or some other time. But the main difference between that and 5e is that you get so many different choices. Even every time you level, you're choosing like two or three different things you add to your character. Yeah. And I think 5e needs something like that. So this Grim Hollow book, let's get back to this topic. Yes. <laughs> or books in general like this. Um, I think adding stuff from these books that it's like been tested by a company, been, been sort of at least in their eyes made viable for the game. I think having that and playing with that is, is actually very fun for players who have played through the game before multiple times. They've had multiple characters get to level 20 or get killed, but they've been through like three or four campaigns and like, OK, well, I don't know what to play now because I've played everything in the game. Throwing and one of can, these in there could be really cool. As a DM, you can really make it your own. And this is like this is where a lot of it comes from of like. So I have implemented these and I've made tweaks just mm-hmm. to balance to my world and the way that I play my world out on a lot of them. But like I was looking at, so one of the transformation classes is the Fiend. Mm-hmm. And the Fiend is a basically a uh, transformation where you basically become a devil that's allowed to the mortal plane. So it's a, a transformation from mortal to devil. And your entire transformation class functions around making deals with creatures And when you make a deal with that creature, it's like, okay, what do you wish for? And they go, unlimited wealth. And you go, fine, that's great. Here you go. And the DM resolves what that means for the NPC. But the player gets a boon each time they make a deal with an NPC. And there's a system of mechanics and roles based on how successful the the boon they give the NPC is that benefits their growth, right? So that's how that class works. Yeah. But I was looking at it and I was like, this would work if a character had a genie heritage, right? Like you could do something around wish granting with yeah. this. And I was like looking at how that would fit into, again, lore surrounding Yanasi and the elementals and the elemental planes. And I was like, okay, we could parse this out. It's not Grimdark anymore. It's like primordial elemental and like fl- fit it in there with some tweaks and flavor changes, just like you do with classes. It's also very Feywild possible. Very too. Feywild. Because that's all they fucking do is like, hey, sign this contract and you'll be young forever. Exactly. And you and then, can't leave the forest or whatever. You heard that basic mechanic and you're like, I could totally use this in an entirely different way. Yeah. So going into these books and almost stripping them of any flavor they have there just for the mechanics. Yep. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I just love it. Like, what isn't in my world? Let's throw that in the dumpster. Everything else comes with still the same sort of thing mechanically. Yeah, and, and, you know, if you make that accessible to everybody at the playing field, too, yeah. you know it's going to balance off itself to an extent. There are some things you look at it, but that's the same with D&D, right? You look at the published books and you're like, nah, way. <laughs> no fucking way that's... is that making it in. <laughs> you're like, ah. But a lot of it is just so well written and thought out. And again, these companies, you look at their, like, I'm looking, like, at the Kickstarter page for the new Grim Hollow book. They have play tests for, like, months with backers where their backers can come and play test the material beforehand so they could tweak and adjust to balance. Josh, are you one of these backers? I'm not. I need <gasps> to be. You didn't get it's, you didn't get in there? It's I the pro okay, here's the thing. This specific one, at the higher levels, 
they have these gorgeous minis. <gasps> but it's so expensive. <laughs> oh, you're gonna you're gonna get in there eventually, I'm sure. I am. I am for sure because it is. Fa- they're fantastic. I highly go check out their Kickstarter for the, it's the Grim Hollow Monster Grimoire. Uh, it's really really solid. I'm um, sure that's gonna be horrifying. They have this giant zombie bat mini that looks to be about like like a at least eight inches uh, like wing to wing. Yeah, it's like a bat dragon thing, uh, and it is incredible. It looks gorgeous. That's actually uh, really cool. So I want to get in on that eventually. Um, but there are lots of other books, like Tunnel yeah, let's Beasts. Yeah, some of the other ones. There's Kobold Press. They do a ton of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, I, I really like, uh, again, I just recently uh, picked up the Tome of Beasts, but a lot of them, a lot of the supplementals come in like two flavors, right? Mm-hmm. Like their monster manuals or their campaign guides. Yes. Um, and com- campaign guides can come in a lot of different flavors. Um, you look at the Gooey Cube products in Zaith mm-hmm. uh, that we've worked with, we've played in, and they're much more lore and world focused. Now, they are a holistic mass where they've got classes, they've got races, and they redo everything yes. uh, from a flavor perspective to fit their world. Um, which is really cool, but a lot of it, it's very lore heavy. It's very much, here's the world lore for you. Right. Stripping that mechanically from the world lore would be kind of difficult to put in like your campaign, because a lot yes. of it has to do with the history of Zaith and their whole thing. Yeah. And it's amazing. With Gooey Cube, you get the box, and it's done for you. Yes. You pull it right it's... out of the box. As long as you read it, you'll know exactly how to run that campaign. Yeah, there's no there's no need for a lore dump session where you like have to homebrew out everything in your entire world and it takes eight months. Like it's just done for you. But then you look at like Grim Hollow's campaign book is just this one book, and there's a lot of good stuff in here. Mm-hmm. But they basically define a continent and define um, the factions on the continent, and then the rest of it is mechanical alterations. It's like okay, there's black powder in our world, and this is what that looks like, and here are the mechanical elements for it. There are these transformations in our world. You know, and then at the end, there's a few monsters thrown in there as well for you to play with. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's a lot more of things you can, I really do like books where I can pick pieces and throw them into other things. I really do. The campaign yeah. settings are great too, but. Eh, but you want to take that stuff and use it in your own game. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I tend to use, and I'd be curious about your thoughts. If I look at a campaign setting, it's for aesthetic or narrative inspiration it's not to use the campaign setting necessarily i think it depends from person to person i mostly just browse through to see if different mechanics they've implemented and i almost don't even read anything about their world (laughs) just so it's not tainted mechanically wise so i'm not like oh well this this has to have this in it so i can't put it in my world i just say no what's the math show me the math show me how it works i'll figure it out go from there yeah which I, I, I like that, too. That's definitely a solid way to do it. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of companies out there, though, that you can look at. Oh, for Ooh. sure. There's a shit ton of companies that just work as 5e companion devices. Mm. <coughs> do you have any ones that you like or are interested in? Do I have any ones that I like? Um... Mostly everything on D&D Beyond is what I go to for for stuff to use in my current campaign. That's valid. 
I don't say homebrew it. I will say, not to bring it up again, twice in one podcast, but I did take a lot of inspiration from Pathfinder for their, specifically their monsters. Um, a lot of their monsters are really cool. Like flavor-wise, they have a lot of abilities that work mechanically as the creatures. Uh, they have a lot more things to do in combat. It's not just their two attacks and then their special ability. It's they have a lot of like uh, area area of effect abilities. They have a lot of like things that take multiple actions, which is another thing in that game. But they can do a lot more which is a DM, it's more fun to play one of those creatures than it is to play the stay stationary, do your two attacks, and then die monsters. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, this is just an example that I think most people can respect. The Owlbears in 5e. They have, I think, a multi-attack that's just two basic attacks, and then that's it. They're a big pool of hit points. And they hit kind of hard. With the Pathfinder Owlbears, they actually have a screech effect that can cause fear. It's it's something simple like that. But it's so good to have an extra thing. Like an Owlbear can just scream and make everyone scared. And then they have to fight it while they're afraid of it. I think that's, I don't know, just something simple like that. That is one of the most important flavors of book you can buy, right? The extended monster manuals. I mean, the Pathfinder ones. But if you also yeah. go to like Tome of Beasts again, or this Grim Hollow, just looking at some of the monsters instead of, there is, there's often, Wizards does a fine job with their monsters. There's a lot more attention put into how these things operate mechanically. Yes. Wizards also puts a lot more attention into high CR creatures. Yes. That's more what I would say they, they actually focus on. With their creatures. Yeah. Uh, so it is fun to see like lower level creatures do some fun stuff. It is really funny Wizards focus on, and I'm curious about your perspective on this, Wizards has this focus on high CR creatures. There's a lot of focus Just... on the part of the game no one ever gets to. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very... It's, it's like, like, showing. Yeah, why? That's a year, two years of gameplay, Wizards. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot there's a lot of that where it's like I'm never going to get there and if I ever do it's it's going to be I guess interesting but just that one fight and then I don't know. Yeah. The lower tier creatures in 5e do not strike me as interesting. So that's why I go to a lot of these other books for creatures um and their cool abilities and Throwing in a legendary action here on a a, a low-level encounter is always fun. Yeah, and like I, I immediately started when you said that, like going through my mind, I'm like, what are low CR creatures that are interesting? And like red caps have some interesting mechanics with like the stomp and stuff like that, but there's not a lot that comes to mind. Yeah, red caps are interesting lore-wise. <laughs> they are. <laughs> I love them. They're so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, most of it's just, just they have their attack stat. They have, might do a weird thing, like they'll explode when they die, or they'll have this, the husks. Yeah, this strange reaction, or even methods, you know, they die and they explode. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun to throw like seven methods at a group and just watch them all explode. 
zombies are also good with the um like the i mean just the regen mechanic is it's a solid mechanic right like yeah yeah the undying fortitude yeah that's pretty good there is a neat monster we ran into recently which was just a floating blob with an eye a big eye in the middle of it i don't remember the name of it but it had a few little extensions protrusions that kind of looked at eyes and being seasoned players i was like oh that's a beholder and then you walk up to it and it just explodes and poisons you (laughs) Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember that. I can't remember uh, what it's called. But there's some good ones in there. Like, So not to disparage wizards completely. It's just... Yeah. Yeah. I'm not calling them out. I'm saying they're focusing on some, some higher level play. It would be nice to see. I would love to see a book come out that's just all really interesting creatures from CR. Like 1 to 9 or 10. That's such a good idea. All such unique mechanic idea. creatures. Kind of along those lines. So we talked about like monster manuals. We talked about campaign guides. A lot of the time there are things like, so like strongholds and followers was released a long time ago for 5e, which yeah. like, and I want to grab that book. I don't have it, but it looks really good. Oh, I do. Oh, you do? Yeah. I have a PDF of it. Ooh. That's gem dragons really grab my interest. So I bought it and they're pretty cool. Okay. I might have to follow you along on that. I, have you noticed that a lot of the time these publications will come out as supplements to fill in a gap and then eventually Wizards gets there and adds their own rule set in? So like the follower stuff in Tasha's kind of came out recently. I, it's never stealing because this, they're completely different to each other. But it, I also like that sometimes the books identify a place for improvement. That Wizards jumps on. Yeah, that Wizards is like, okay, yeah, you know what, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I don't know their process. I don't know if they're scouring through. I mean, it's internet. valid though. Yeah. I, I I don't know. the The followers, I think, in this is more more like people who work for you. So mm, the interesting. Yeah. <laughs> the followers, the strongholds of followers book is more about like accruing almost like a guild. Or something like that. Like having a lot of people work for you or like having a lot of allies that are um, doing the same thing as you Mm. and like building like clerics can build churches and have people who function those churches and, you know, abide certain things. Um, So it's sim rules for for it. Essentially, yeah, it's like it, it. it's a very good look at making your players feel like they've had an impact on the world, like they have a foothold on your your world map. Like this is where our stronghold is. I've got a church that I've set up in this town and it's accruing followers to my God and it's got, you know, it, it creates certain boons. Um, one of the things I really like is the. There's a system for your stronghold and then in having uh, the ability to accrue nearby allies. That's like, oh, yeah, you know, these random uh, hill giants nearby come by and ask you for some aid and there's a potential allyship there. Or, you know, you come across a dragon who doesn't attack you, but is like, hey, protection money. What's up? Stuff like that. I'm getting this book. <laughs> it's such. It's a very good book. And you not only that, <laughs> but there's there's so many monsters in it too. Um, different stat blocks and things for like aeons, I think are in here. Um, mm. Gem dragons. Always there's, amazing. 
Yeah, and the Wizards is getting on the Gem Dragons now too. Good but on them. There's a lot of uh, a lot of different mechanics they've added in that sort of twist things up a little bit, and I, I really do like what they've done here with this book. That's a really specific type of campaign. Like a stronghold campaign is really you can always have like the strong like critical role did it you know like the place the base that they own but like mm-hmm. a stronghold management campaign is a very specific type of campaign i'm really curious about that yeah it well it's the thing it, you don't need to make it a, the whole campaign though because mm-hmm. your party can just get and it runs a stronghold itself. and then you can occasionally throw in like oh yeah some allies show up or you accrue notoriety in the following ways and it's it's a nice little boost to everyone's uh everyone's ego to make them think hey we we changed the world a little bit we're we're getting up places and it's how i run a ship right there's a mm-hmm. person who helps do that so that the players don't have to spend all their time doing it. yeah cool. and i also think a lot of the things the art style in this book is aesthetically very you so i'm looking at the cover art right now and i'm like this is oh. beautiful it's like a watercolor masterpiece <laughs> the the gem dragon art is so fucking clean i love it so much as soon as we're done with this episode i'm gonna go <laughs> yeah i can't they're, they're so alien and well put together i love it so much um i will say the other thing that they made for, specifically for this book and it's something that matt colville loves to talk about and use in his games is uh rule mechanics for running wars like big battles, big set piece battles where there's different units. Uh, I think they used a lot of these mechanics in, um, I don't know if you watched it. I don't think you did yet, but the crown of candy dimension 20 show. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still on fantasy high. Okay. There's, there's a lot of, or there's one, at least one really big set piece battle where I think they use a lot of these mechanics and it actually functions pretty interestingly um where each character is like in control of a section of units like a battlefield commander yes their player character takes their turn but then their units also take their turn on that that initiative count and it's really interesting this book sounds like it's made for me (laughs) it does sound like it's made for you (laughs) oh they also have gemstone dragonborn i forgot about that which is Coming on that new UA we talked about. Hey, look at yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of similarities here. And I, going back to like the initial comment I made here, that is your explanation of how they're doing followers in this is very different to the Tasha's followers, right? Because those are yeah. companions. Those are group party supplements. They're like, oh, you don't have a healer? Here's a little thing that does a healer for you. Yes, they're more party <laughs> filler than like, okay, my, my I have a, a, almost like a cult that my warlock has been growing and they can find out information for me or they can try and recruit people into my cult. Like they can be working in the background while you're off having an adventure or solving the world's bigger problems. You can have people working for you in the back end. And they're, it's, it's a really interesting system that I don't think a lot of people think about. That's super. <clears throat> cool. I love that. I, I adore that. It's a very, very interesting. It's not for everybody. I will say that that book is definitely not for everybody. Because a lot Most, of it is just too much for them to want to deal with. Yeah, there's always there's always a ton of work that comes along with every new piece. Yeah. To add in. That's super valid. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like, even, you know, the original Taldorai campaign setting was not affiliated with D&D or anything like that. It was... 
Yeah. It was published independently. It was a big gripe, I think, Matt Murther. Matt Murther? <laughs> Matt Murther had a big gripe with that at the time. Oh, really? He wanted to, like, yeah. put He it couldn't in afford the licensing for the actual gods he used in the campaign, <gasps> so he had to rename them all. If you go back and look at that book. Oh, my God, that's annoying. That's where he came up with the Wild Mother, um, the Dawn Father, instead of Pelor. Really? I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a cool little piece of lore. Thank you, Sean. Mm-hmm. No That's worries. a lore dump you've just given us. Doop 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 doop. Oh, we're not done yet. Hold on. Oh, the show's not over. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, that's this is a really interesting kind of. You never talk about how these materials manifest and how you utilize them, so no? I kind of enjoyed like this little chat here, because it really is very much like. It's different for everything you come across, and they do appear in very different ways. Not everything's the same. Yeah. And there's People pick so many different sources. So many different sources for 5e. People have been making stuff for this constantly. I mean, just look at the DMs Guild. Everything oh, yeah. on there is something we, we could talk about on this show. DMs Guild is such a great <laughs> source for stuff, too. It's just such a... It's kind of like the app store. <laughs> yeah. Is the problem, I think, where like some things get in there and you're like. Yeah, I would say nothing necessarily on the DMs Guild has been play tested. Yeah. It's kind of like Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a vast array of things you can download and try in your game yeah. or at least look at for inspiration. Well, I think there is this really cool element of now like Twitter. There's so many content creators in our community that are just like, here's a PDF spreadsheet for I'm I'm thinking, um, you know, uh, oh, my God, I'm spacing out. But it's just a lot of content creators who like are like, here's a spreadsheet for a subclass that I have made. Give it a shot. And I'm just sitting on Twitter and like you can go to DMs Guild and spend a dollar and get that subclass. Right. That's yeah. been. And, you know, you you curate who you're following on Twitter so you know and trust certain creators that have mm-hmm. done this before and they have experience and you can just grab it, um, which is really, really good. Like, I very much appreciate it. Hell yeah. So there's a thing to be said just for, like, downloadable PDFs now and, like, singing. Um, uh, R. Morgan, who did, I don't know, R. Morgan is a composer. Uh, R. Morgan Slade on Twitter. He did the uh, like Ukatoa animated sea shanty that like Ginny D sang in. Yeah. Uh, he did a bard subclass. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a a pirate bard subclass um, that's on GM's Guild and like oh like a shanty bard. Yeah, like a shanty bard. I think it might. Let's see. It's called the College of the Crow's Nest. Is what it's called. Oh yes, I do remember seeing that. Yeah, by R. Morgan Slade, uh, which really is good. definitely like a cool little thing that you could just nab and it's a smaller piece of content that does a specific thing so there's also like a la carte content creation now which is i want to suck your blood (laughs) i want to buy everything (laughs) only i had all these monies (laughs) (laughs) taking back the grim yeah we go all the way it's full circle baby it's full circle full circle here on the lore dump always and forever so what what has there ever been anything you've come across that a player wanted to implement that you just outright said no fuck this you can you can use me as an example i won't be mad at you 
No, I don't think you ever have because <laughs> playing with DMs a lot of the time, they understand what it's like to get that content thrown at them. It's never, it's very rarely done maliciously, right? Like a player just like sees a thing and they're like, this is flavorful. I'd like to do this. And they yeah. hand it to you and you go, geez, Louise, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a thing you've given me there. Buddy. Might be flavorful, I, but there's a lot of power in that flavor. Yeah. <laughs> there is, I think the most egregious offenders tend to be racial or subclass things that they found. Oh, for sure. On GM's guild. In my, I don't want to give specific examples and I'm not even having any come to mind immediately that I could name, but anytime it's happened, it's like, here's a PDF of this subclass or this racial that gives me 80 feet to fly speed out of the gate. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> yeah, that already exists in wizards. Calm down. Yeah. 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 You just got to work for it a little bit. It's like, okay. Right okay. I understand you want to play as a cat person. Why do they innately cast fireball at level four? Is that, why is that a thing? That's not a thing. Shouldn't be a thing. There are a breed of homebrewers out there who breed or create create isekai protagonists <laughs> classes like they create a specific class for their isekai protagonist who needs mm -hmm. to be an invincible god tier character and then they put it out there for the rest of the world to see it's, it's, <laughs> it's so fucking weird i don't get it because it you, you you know like you look at some of these ones like the fireball example you're like this does not fit flavor wise but some kid in their basement has this very specific headcanon for a specific character and made a class or a race to go along with it. And in their mind, it makes sense. And you're like, in your context, maybe? I would say normally when there's the homebrew stuff that's brought in, it's like, oh, yeah, someone online made this weird race from this fantasy genre like mm. property I like. Like, oh, it's the something-something warriors from that anime I, I watch all the time. Or mm -hmm. some other thing, like World of Warcraft race. Like, they made a Drain Eye from World of Warcraft. Yep. Super valid. I know you know what that is. I um, do, I do. <laughs> I like their goat hooves and their tails. Their big tentacle faces. It's so <laughs> sexual. <laughs> mm -hmm. I will say the most egregious people I've ever seen abuse that homebrew stuff almost been like dms really yeah like that's how i think you can tell the difference between who's good to play with as a dm and who's bad to play with as a dm is if they go to a player table and they're like all right i found this class off reddit versus hey i'm just gonna play a barbarian <laughs> yeah and i'm oh, gonna so make max it but i know i know how to do it you're saying like this a dm a player who is a dm steps yes. in and hands you stuff that they've been searching. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I would never play at that person's table. That's so prone for abuse, right? <laughs> well, not only that, but inevitably they find stuff on Reddit for their own game, and it's super broken, and you have to fight against it, and it's dumb. That's fair. That's super yeah. fair. I've played when with it... that kind of player before. They suck. <sighs> War gamers are tricky. Like, yeah. and DMs sometimes are war gamers because they know the knowledge and they're like, okay, it becomes competitive or whatever rather than narrative driven. Yeah. And then it becomes competitive. So they start to look for the edge and then the edge becomes homebrew and then that homebrew becomes broken homebrew. 
Uh, yeah, if you can't flavor it differently to make it interesting, then I don't know what you're doing here. Get out. Don't and, you know, out. we we harp on wizards a little bit in jest about the rule set, but it it's not a it, joke. Wizards, I'm coming for you. <laughs> it is well designed to encompass creativity. Like a lot of the time you can see where they left wriggle room intentionally even a little bit de- to the detriment of the mechanics so that players could put their own splash of color onto it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, sometimes it's just imagination rather than mechanics. Sometimes it's just imagination. Some people like it and have to find it on the internet. Some people use books to ensource theirs. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Either, either, you know, some people just need different different ways of finding stuff. A new avenue, as it were. Yeah. Well, and, and it's a trusted source, I think, is a part of that. Like, yeah. something you know, a content creator you trust, something you know has had some thought put into it. I mean, you can look at it and go, okay, this makes sense. Okay, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. If you got a DM friend as well, talk to them about it. John and I sit down and look at content. And that was last week. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shoot it down every time. No <laughs> powers for anybody. I'm a monster. You're all just farmers now. I hope you have fun planting your turnips. Crops looking a little low this year. <laughs> oh my god. But again, a lot of there is I just know that sometimes you hear this negative perspective and I've talked about it on like the D&D books, but also on the source books of like when it's a I'm a homebrewer DM, and everything's from homebrew. We've said this on the show a hundred times before. Everyone takes inspiration from media everywhere. The best tool for homebrewing is a little bit of stealing with appropriate accreditation where it belongs, and these books are the exact same as if you sit down and watch a movie. There is anybody who judges somebody who uses a source book doesn't understand how source books function and what they're like really for. And that's big kind of dingus. <laughs> You're big dingus if yeah. you blame someone for using a, a source book. Soul homebrew DMs aren't being honest to themselves about how they source their content, create their content. Except for me, I only source my own homebrew content. Original stuff for me only, please. Are you thank you. Do thank a you. book. Are you gonna do a shikas book to magic? <gasps> yeah, we're gonna do it. We're gonna get a big book of magic stuff together, and I'm gonna sell it for money. You sheep. (laughs) I'm the unimpressed. (laughs) You're like, I'm done with this. I I so one of the things I am most wary of are the Instagram accounts that just post out like the homebrew items. I know you love them and some of them are actually very well. You have to be careful. But some of them are just garbage. So it's like here's an uncommon item that throws your enemies into the void of Far space. It's like, what? What? <laughs> what are you making? Why do you have yeah. thirty six thousand followers? Well, I, like I have the experience to say, no good, good, no good, good, no good, good, yeah. and like pick out. Curate. But some people don't. Yeah, you've got to curate for sure with everything. Yeah, it's a constant theme, and everything we've talked about here is curation is really important. But yeah, you're right. Like some of them are just batshit insane. Some of them are just fucking stupid. There's a lot of thought that goes into properly making a magical item. Yeah. Well, sometimes. Sometimes you just slap dash something before the game starts. 
Della, because you need to fill out that store. But who knows? It could be good. Memes are great. Memes are pretty fucking cool. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> running theme of this show. A <laughs> running theme in Lordum is memes are great. We like memes. Someone's right? gonna yell at me for that. Really? Yeah, I dunked on I dunked on memes a little bit. I called them mad libs for the unfunny. I feel Just, like that is a, a common thing you say. Uh it is very accurate until we do it, and then it's okay, right? Yes, if funny people use memes, they're usually funny. I told that to Sloan. Sloan's very funny. Sloan is but funny. it's when the masses get a hold of memes, it's just like, okay, stop it. Please don't do this to me. Don't abuse this. <laughs> yes, you can has cheeseburger. Please get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very true. Well, Sean, do we have anything <laughs> else we want to discuss? I think after that meme thing, we're all good. We're all good here. <laughs> We've wrapped it up. We should back away slowly from this episode. Okay. Put down the book. I put down the memes. Okay. And now slowly further away. My face when. What? That's a meme. See, here's the thing. <laughs> I am ignorant to meme culture. <laughs> what? <laughs> You know memes. I know some. I know some. There's Tell this, me your like... favorite meme right now. I, I What's the best? Josh, what is the best meme? I couldn't tell. I, I'm blanking. I'm literally staring into the void. Uh, best meme. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> anything you gotta give me, I you say. Gotta give me one before I let this I, Anything I say will get me in trouble. They'll be. I've literally had people like you're this. You you stale. I'm that person that you were just rallying against. Who's like you're not unfunny. They're like you're the stale meme guy, and I'm like, oh, Josh, I'm not letting go of this episode until okay, you give okay. me a meme that uh, you like and use. Uh, a me- oh my god. Oh my god, Sean, why do you put me on? The- I'm not brain enough for this. Do, 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 favorite do, meme. Favorite meme. Do, why am I doing a complete blank? I feel like I've sent you memes. Uh, the cabbage meme is pretty good from Avatar. I've never, I've never watched it. You see, hey, okay. That, I will take that as an answer. Cabbage guy from Avatar, the last Airbender show you've never watched. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this is my problem. <laughs> we I, I are children all my time of nightmares. God. Oh God! I'm letting this episode die now. I'm letting it end. Hey, Sean, Sean. Before we do, if folks wanted to like tweet things at us or talk to us or send emails to us, how would they do that? Uh, they would go to uh, ask Lord Dump, Lord Dump questions at gmail dot com, or at the Lord Dump on Instagram and Twitter. That's the places. That was really good. You had that just really succinct and easy to understand. Like you always, always like do. Like I always, always do. Mm-hmm. <gasps> <laughs> 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 Do 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 do
kind of synced up. What? The, the, the Jeopardy. I was doing the Jeopardy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god. The little kissy at the end is very important. It happens in every Japanese episode. No. Alex Trebek, I'm sorry I did that to your legacy. Just wipe my ass with it on this podcast. It is weird how much he comes up in this show. <laughs> how dare you, Josh? I know you're from <laughs> Wales or whatever. He's a national fucking treasure. How come every time he comes up, I also get in trouble? Because <laughs> you say, oh man, we keep talking about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? I'll leave. I'll fucking, I'll fucking dare. Don't leave. I'll leave. You get oh, back I'll here. Hey, oh, okay. Get back here. Think of what you did. I'm going to go buy an Alex Trebek shirt and just like wear it. Yes, you are. So that you're like it's happy. very good. That's a very good shirt. I just think of him. Wasn't he in Happy Gilmore? I think I think so. Wasn't he uh, Happy's golf partner in the like stars tournament? No, that wasn't him. Who was that? Ah, I forget, but he kicked, uh, kicked his ass. Yeah, he did. They fought. Some Joe Biden looking motherfucker. I'm, are you sure it wasn't Alex Trebek? It wasn't Alex Trebek. It was Alex Trebek. What? No. Yeah, not, it was best Happy Gilmore scenes. Uh, oh, no. Price is yeah. wrong. The guy from Price is wrong. You're right. You're uh, right. What's his name? I don't fucking remember his name. Well, fuck. Oh, wait. <laughs> he also didn't... He died not too long ago. Price is right, guy. Barney Stinson's father from How I Met Your Mother. Bob Barker. Bob Barker. That's who it is. Yeah, that's who kicked Happy Gilmore's ass. Can we keep this whole thing in? Because this is the longest. Oh shit! Credit. Are we still recording? Oops! Yeah. <laughs> Oops! This is a different podcast. <laughs> oh god! We. Uh, oh, whoops! Okay, I'm stopping. I'll stop. <laughs>